0: Thank you for joining us at Purified Mission. We pray that you are blessed as you receive the word of God. The victory, that his work was finished at the cross. And so there is so much power in that name, because whenever we mention your name, Jesus, it takes all humanity, it takes all creation, it takes heaven and earth back to that battle that happened at Calvary, where God declared it is finished And when God says something, it is final. Oh, your word cannot be altered, oh God. Your word cannot return to you unless it performs that which you sent it to do. Lord, your word says that we are free, so we receive our freedom in Jesus' name. Your word says that we are healed, so we receive our healing in Jesus' name. Your word declares breakthrough over our lives, so we receive our breakthrough in the name of Jesus. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good. Tidings to the poor, the opening of doors to those who are captives, liberty to those who are in chains. Today, by the word of prayer, we declare freedom in Jesus' name. Oh, yes, Lord. Father, by your stripes we were healed. Father, by your stripes we were healed. Oh, the cross was not a waste. The stripes that Jesus took was not a waste. Oh, the work that Jesus did is finished work. No matter what the symptoms say, no matter what the doctor's report says, it is finished work by his stripes we were healed. And so we stand upon that healing power of Jesus and we overthrow everything that says something different. Because you're not a man that you should lie. Because you're not a man that you should lie. Oh God, my situation cannot make you a liar. Oh, my my, my, my circumstances cannot, cannot make the word of God untrue. Oh Lord God, what I'm going through, what, what my family has been going through, everything that has been said about me cannot contradict the scriptures because there is only one truth. And he is the way, the truth, and he's the life, and his word is final, and everything he said is true about me, so I receive my breakthrough. Oh, today your word is setting us free, oh God. And Father, we welcome your word, we welcome your deliverance, we're ready for your breakthrough. We hunger for that, oh God. Lord, do what you have done before, do it again, oh God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Uh, I was in a place of prayer, and I was asking God uh, what he wanted to speak to his people. You know, when when we come together like this, I hope you understand that um, God is not a respecter of persons. Uh, He doesn't look at me, and he doesn't give me a word that's appropriate from my mouth. You see, his word is too holy for me. Oh yeah, that's that's why uh, when Isaiah realized that he was undone in the presence of the Lord, he said, Woe, for I am of unclean lips, uh, because even a prophet is not worthy to carry the message. Uh, that message is too powerful. That message is too glorious. That message is too holy. Moses was in the presence of just the burning bush. No word released yet. But God told him, Moses, the place you are standing is holy ground. Don't bring your shoes in. You've got to let your shoes go, not in the presence of the Lord. You've got to be open in the presence of God. So this morning, God is going to speak some things. I want you to know God is speaking to me. God is speaking to to me, as he's speaking through me, uh, I get to benefit all the time from hearing God speak his word. And he's going to say something to us today, and I believe that God wants us to walk out of this place with supernatural glory on our wings. Oh, yes, I believe God wants us to walk out of this place because the devil we were fighting before we came in here is about to be knocked on his back. I believe God is about to say something that is going to change the way we see ourselves because our breakthrough has already happened. Praise God. Um, uh, The word of God that came to me this morning said, strong men need strong men. Strong men surround strong men. You know, we're in a generation where we infer a lot of gender context, and that thing means nothing related to gender. I'm not talking about men in the general genderific sense. I'm speaking to strong men. Now, The Bible talks about a strong man. And the Bible talks about the position of a strong man. Is Jesus speaking? said that you cannot enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless you first bind the strong man. Right? And because this is a gender neutral expression, I want to share with you because there are homes today that don't have men. And the Bible is still true, meaning that you cannot enter someone's house and take away their goods unless you remove the person of authority in that place. And so strong men uh, are people who have authority, people who have a disposition and an understanding of who they are and they legitimately occupy a place of power. And the strong man has a work that he's got to do, um, but that work is not easy. That's why he's gotta be strong. That's why the strong man has to be strong. Um, Our history tends to identify icons, uh, revolutionary leaders, and, uh, uh, and people who have done great things, And we name them by uh, their names. You know, we will have Martin Luther King Day, for example. Martin Luther King is an awesome leader, a man who lived by the fear of God. The fear he had of God was stronger than the fear he had of the system that entrapped him. And because he feared God more than man, he stood up against oppression, and his standing firm drew people, and people stood by him, and Martin Luther King, by standing, was able to take down oppression. Are you with me? Uh, he was a strong man, and, and our history tends to iconify, and uh, we take these revolutionary leaders, and we take their name, and, and we esteem them, we exalt them, and, and, and uh, it's great because it helps us to celebrate what they've accomplished. You know, Martin Luther King Day helps us to never forget the oppression that was once rampant in America. It also helps us not to ever forget and slide right back into that oppression. I want us to understand that oppression is not a permanent state. It's a fluid thing. We're constantly seeing oppression shifting. People are still oppressed today in our free country. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because people are surprised when you talk about human trafficking in the context of our generation, in our nation, in our open nation, open states, people are being kept in captivity. And I want you to know by every sense of the word, it is true. Oppression still exists. Uh, people still struggle every day for their liberty, even in the physical sense. I don't know if you understand me. Yeah. You see, I was reflecting this week on, on the kinds of things that Jesus spoke. Uh, we don't understand the scriptures well, you know, because we are people that see in the natural first. Um, I was looking through, through some things that I was observing and God takes me through some things. I experienced them in the natural and then he begins to reflect the scriptures through there. I watched somebody who was struggling with a form of um, muscular dystrophy where they had lost most of their motor control in, in, in a sense, they could move their body, but they couldn't control the movement. Are you with me? And so they'd have very jerky movements. And, and I watched what looked like, what seemed rather simple, you know, you watch a baby learns to walk. By the time they're one and a half years old, that movement is so fluid. Uh, the only thing they stumble over is running. They don't walk anymore, they start to run and run through everything and then they fall a lot. But that's not because they don't know how to walk it's because they're excited. Are you with me? But you watch a grown person and you see that they are struggling uh, in their body, fighting against the nerves that are misfiring and fighting against the muscles they can't control. And just to take a step, three, four, five, six, ten 10 steps to reach the other side of the room is a one week's worth of a big victory for them. And I watched that and I said, wow, I said, you know, we take some things for granted. You get up and you just walk somewhere and you don't even think twice about it some people uh, that they've been planning that walk all week I mean they look at the other side of the room and they've been telling themselves I'm gonna get up out of this chair and I'm gonna walk across the room and before the end of the week I'm gonna make it there on my own and they will fight with all the things that are fighting against them and and they're gonna struggle their way there and when they get to the other side you watch them elated excited because they were able to walk across the room. You know, I'm not here to humor anybody. I don't want to say anything that sounds demeaning at all. I'm not speaking about their circumstances. I'm about to share something that God showed me. You see, when I was looking at them, and in my mind, I was processing with so much awe that, you know, these are the things I do every day. I take for granted. Um, Jesus looked at a woman Uh, who was bent double, the Bible describes her, a woman that was tied up with infirmity. The enemy had held on to her. And the Bible says that this woman was bent over. And Jesus looked at her, and he spoke to the spirit that held her to let her go. Are you with me? Meaning that Jesus didn't see her physical condition purely as a medical state of being. He saw a struggle between what God designed and what the enemy oppressed. And and so... Uh, there's, there's a struggle uh, every day we struggle we, we, the Bible says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood uh, but it's principalities and powers, there's authorities in high places, there's rulers of wickedness that are established with an order to oppress the freedom of humanity because as long as they hold the humanity fr- from their freedom, we're less likely to praise God Yeah. Huh. This freedom, and one of the things that's enduring is that when we iconify these great leaders, it almost makes us think that they had that revolution in total isolation. You know, when you have Martin Luther King Day, where's the day for all the men that marched with him? You know, I think there were a million men that day. Uh, They marched to the Capitol and they stood up against oppression. We remember Martin Luther King, but every strong man is surrounded by strong men. In the Word of God, the same is true. When you look at something happening in the spiritual context, there's always a grouping. There's always a strength building. And this is the way God intended it, that we should draw strength from one another. This is why Jesus was particular in some scriptures in Matthew chapter 18 and the 19 verses the scripture. You know well. Uh, let's turn to it and read it for ourselves because sometimes it helps. It helps us to remember exactly what God is saying when we read it with our own eyes and speak it with our own mouth. In the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew and in the 19th verse, we're going to read it together. And in the 19th verse, it says, Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, It will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Uh, Does anybody have the benefit of red letters in their Bible? I like red letter Bibles because, you know, sometimes I don't even want to read the black stuff. I want to just go, what did Jesus really say? And I skip right to red and here I am and it's all red. It's all red. It says again, meaning that Jesus has said this before. I'm telling you again, I want to emphasize to you that any two of you, notice that. He didn't establish a hierarchy. He didn't say, if you go to this person, he didn't say, go up to the temple. You know, when Jesus first said, the father is seeking true worshipers, they were outside the temple. Yeah, when God made a covenant with Solomon and said any prayer in this place, but Jesus established a new order that any two, if two of you just take a moment and agree, anything you ask, my father will do it for you. I don't know if you understand that. God delights in fulfilling His word. Yeah. Huh. You know, delight, pleasure, it makes God happy to do what He promised. So every time God sees us coming together in agreement, He gets happy because He's about to be put in a position to be released to do what he said. And so something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. It says any two agree and my father will do. Look at the next verse. He says this, For where two or three come together in my name, I am there with them. He said, what? Two or three come together in my name. I am there with them. Two or three. I want you to see that what's, uh, what's holding these two scriptures is agreement, togetherness, being in one mind, being in one accord. Uh, but it's also clear that God is not working with people in isolation. Yeah, the body of Christ is not individual pieces. Fingers cannot live on their own. Are you with me? If you have an ear and that's all you hear, you are as good as not useful because you can't see and you can't express. Uh, But God puts the body together. All the differences are additive. Are you with me? Yeah, because if all you had was a whole body full of kidneys, You wouldn't be able to function. Kidneys don't push blood around. Kidneys can't extract nutrients from food. Are you with me? Kidneys don't know how to chew. Uh, Kidneys can't hear. Uh, But God has an ear that can't eat. And God has a mouth that can't hear. And God puts an eye that can't digest. And inside he's got a brain that has the control of everything, but it's dependent on everything around it to source it. Are you with me? And that's God's order. That we are interdependent on one another. In fact, we get better when we walk together. Huh. See, this this kind of doctrine is hard. Because in our generation, we're full of individuals. People who've got superpowers all on their own. I can do anything by myself. Listen, you can do nothing without Christ. Let's establish that. So you couldn't even do anything by yourself. You might as well just take, take that in. Let it settle in you and get used to living with your brother and your sister in Christ. You need them. You need them. Every strong man needs strong men around them. Huh. We see, when God began to speak this to me, I've heard this in a secular sense, uh, taking people with you and all the things that talk about, you know, being able to find mentors and find help and all that. The, The scripture is better. The scripture says that if you two come together, God shows up. That means that God is not present in the single things. He's present in the corporate things. And God hears you, but he's not promising to show up. But you want God to show up in your prayer? Grab somebody. It gives him pleasure to fulfill his word. I love that. You see, that's why when people talk about, uh, you know, the, the, how God intended things to be from the beginning. Notice, God created Adam. God said, it's not good. I don't like the way Adam is. I can't even show up. You see, there's only one person. I need two. So God created Eve. And as soon as the two of them agreed, the power of God, that, you didn't need a billion people on the earth for God's power. Just Adam and Eve. I want you to know that there's so much power in agreement. It's important to understand the power of unity. Hallelujah. Uh, unity has so much power. It disarms so many principalities. You know what? There's some weapons of the enemy that instantly become ineffective when there's unity. Yeah. I was praying over this and the Lord began to reveal to me some spiritual weapons. I'm going to name a few. Here's a weapon, the weapon of division. It doesn't work when we're one. If we will come together and be one, the devil can't divide. That's a weapon, you know. Yeah, you watch it. That weapon is the same weapon used in the rule books of war. If you can divide something, you can conquer it. Are you with me? And the devil looks for an opportunity to divide so he can conquer. But the moment we come together in unity, that weapon, he's got to go find a new one. You know another weapon the devil uses against the church? It's called the weapon of suspicion. Yeah. We suspect all sorts of things. it, It works in our mind. The devil gives us these suggestive thoughts and we begin to suspect each other. And Trust falls apart and it begins to work. And then the weapon of jealousy kicks in and we begin to backbite one another with the intent to undermine one person for the interest of another. Antagonism and subversion, all of those are weapons of the enemy because their intent is to destroy. But David says this, Psalm 27, verse 1. It was our scripture of the day. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Stronghold. Stronghold's a place of refuge, a place of fortitude, a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place of confidence in the Lord. Yes. And David was able to stand up against incredible things because he had help. Our first help, our first help is always the Lord. The Bible said, Blessed is the man whose help is the Lord God Jehovah. Our God is our help. In the book of 1 Samuel, in the 17th chapter, the verse 4 and the 23rd verse, they deliberately in the same chapter define Goliath twice as Goliath, the champion of Gath. You know, champion? You know, a champion, he's like the world record holder, the undefeated Goliath. You know, when they list all of the things they used to describe him, he is Goliath of Gath, Goliath, the champion, Goliath of the Philistines. And uh, they threw a tiny boy at Goliath, the champion. But because David wasn't standing in his own strength or in his own confidence, his confidence was the Lord David took a smooth stone and he knocked off the head of a champion. I don't know if you understand what I just said. It's not how big you are. As long as you stand in the confidence of your God, Jehovah, God will use your little pebble, the thing that nobody thought was going to do any damage, to knock off the head of champions. He's going to use your little talent to change the world around you. Because your strength is the Lord God, Jehovah. The Lord is our stronghold of our life. This is how strong men stand together. We need to depend on God first. Uh, We need to develop our gifts. Yeah. Yeah, gifts, talents. You know, did you know that Usain Bolt, current world record holder, the fastest man in the world, Do you know he's the same guy that was born as a baby, wah, 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 that his mother had to feed? His talents and gifts were inside him. But they were not effective until they were developed. Yeah. There's some things inside you that are not yet at their prime because they still need to be developed. 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 We've got to develop our gifts and our calling, and it needs us to connect with people around us. Are you with me? There's no iron that becomes sharp on its own. Iron needs another iron to sharpen it. Yes. I love the sharpening knives, you know, because you take a knife and you rub it against the grinding stone. it sort of sounds silly, you know, you're going to take this sharp thing and rub it on a stone But it's not going to blunt the knife if you do it right. If you rub it right, you're going to get a much sharper knife as the outcome. And I want you to understand that what you're going through in your life sometimes is just God rubbing you against the grinding stone. Yeah, it's not pretty. It doesn't sound nice. When that thing goes to work, you start to hear the grinding and it's like, ah. But that's God's way of bringing out the talent and the gifting, the potential that's hiding inside you. He puts you through a process. David's process was called Saul, the grinding stone. See, David was anointed. That was when he was with the shepherd, with the sheep, in his father's house. But Samuel didn't tell him that David, listen, Saul is going to try every day to kill you. This is not the kind of, oh, I hate you, David, I'm going to kill you words. No, this is literally, he's going to toss spears at your head. Saul is a warrior, and he has the ability to kill. He's done many killings, and he's going to go for your head, and it's going to be many close calls, David. Yeah. So David's grinding stone was a process called Saul. Uh, you know, some of the things we're going through in our life, we we'll pray against them every day. We we, we bet God, God, I bet you by this week, God, I need deliverance. God said, no, you don't. <laughs> you need more grinding. I'm going to put you through another week of Saul because I need a little bit more sharp. Ah, oh, God, please take it easy with me, God. I can only get so sharp at a time. You know, we got to pray and understand what God is doing in our lives is that it's only working together for our good. We need people with similar gifts. With similar talents. And with similar destinies. I'm about to wrap up. But David had. Some special men around him. I'm going to flip to First Chronicles. And I'll read a little bit. First Chronicles in the 11th chapter. And in the 10th verse. We get to know David. You know he's already killed Goliath. You know that, right? That was early in his conquest. He was anointed. He did what God had called him to do before he was anointed. He was already handling lions by himself. Bears, he was taking care of them, no problem. But David took off the head of Goliath. And, you know, you might get a chip on your shoulder. Wow, I've killed a bear. I've handled a lion. I've taken a champion. Ooh, I'm ready for the kingdom. David was not ready for the kingdom. Not yet. You see, because if God let David go to the kingdom after Goliath, David might have become puffed up like Saul. And David might not have finished his job. But God knew that what David had on the inside of him could not come out with David in isolation. So God put David's life through a process where David could not survive in isolation. And you know what happens when you can't survive on your own? People show up. And when the people began to show up, David didn't understand that the people that were coming around him were not just to help him get through his hard time. They were the people that God had placed around him because a strong man needs strong men. Look at this. First Chronicles, eleventh chapter, and the tenth verse. It says. These were the chiefs of David's mighty men. They gave together with all, they together with all of Israel gave his kingship strong support to extend over the whole land as the Lord had promised. Notice, God had promised David a kingdom over the whole land. But in order for the promise of God to be fulfilled, the Bible says, they together with all of Israel gave his kingship strong support. Let me say this in plain terms. The kingdom God has put in your hands needs strong supporters who will help you to establish dominion over the whole promise. There are a couple of people that God has put in your life. They have a similar kind of mindset. They have a similar kind of boldness. They have a similar kind of vision. And they're not in your life by accident. They are the strong men that are surrounding a strong man. What God has called you to do needs people. To help you. Yeah. We come together with a purpose. We depend on God. God puts us through a process. That process is good for you. It is painfully good for you. Oh, it hurts. Being ground and being shaped, being broken, it hurts. But it's good for you. Does not feel good? That's not what good for you means. Ask a little kid. The first time they ever tasted unflavored medicine. They want to spit it out of their mouth. But that stuff is good for them, though. It doesn't taste good. But what it does to their body is exactly what they need. See, God hasn't put the flavor on our experience. You know, we go back to the pharmacist and say, can I have that mint flavored, please? Oh, God, can I have my salt a little bit pleasant flavored, please? I don't need much more salt today. No, no. God has put you through a process that you're going to dislike, but it's good for you. And then he's going to overwhelm your ability to cope on your own. Yeah. I love it. The Bible is so numeric. Anybody who thinks that God is not a God of precision, just read the word of God. The Bible says that one of us can put a thousand to flight. That's written in the word of God. You know why God did that? It's for us. Yeah. See, when you realize that you're no longer effective, that means you have more than a thousand that you're struggling against. So what does that mean? He gave you the formula for success. He says, then two of us can put LinkedIn to flight. So if we can't find them flying anymore, they're sticking around and struggling with us, that means, wait a second, probably reached a thousand by now. Ah oh, God, I, I think your word says the next step is to add the exponent. So I need two. Hey, grab my hand, brother. We got to do this because there's, there's more than a thousand and I don't want to lose this fight. God, in the name of Jesus, power comes. And that's how God works. He did it for us. He put precision so that we know that he's not a God of error. I want you to know that the things you're going through, it's good for you doesn't feel good, but I guarantee you this, all things work together for the good of them that love God, and are called according to His purpose. The Lord is my stronghold. The Lord is the stronghold of my life, but strong men need strong men around them. We're going to pray a prayer that's a little bit different. We're going to ask God for...